Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. If you got your Bibles with you, uh, let's turn to John 14. We're going to start there today, John 14. We're going to start a new series about the Holy Spirit. And uh, we're going to probably continue this for about six weeks. Everybody say six weeks. And uh, there's a lot to say about the Holy Spirit. And I think uh, you're going to be excited about this. So we're going to start in John 14. And this is Jesus speaking. John 14 and verse 16. And Jesus said, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and he will be in you. Verse 18, still speaking about the Holy Spirit. This is Jesus speaking. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. So if you're taking notes today, the title of my message is real simple. We're going to talk today about who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? I believe it's so important, and I say this often. You don't just need to know um, what you believe. You need to know why you believe it. Because a lot of people grow up in church, and they know what they believe, kind of. But they really don't know why, so somebody can talk them out of it. They can easily be swayed. But how many of you know, if you know why you believe what you believe, you can have confidence in whatever subject we're talking about. And you can have faith because you're not, you don't just know what, you know why you believe it. So with anything we talk about, church, I don't just want you to believe stuff. I want you to know why you believe it. Um, just like we talked about baptism a few weeks ago. And some, some of you probably thought that was a very simple message. But we need to talk about that so you can have faith on why you should be baptized. We need to talk about why we believe what we believe. And it strengthens your faith, makes you a stronger believer, and helps you grow in your faith. And trust me, I've been in church 35 years and 9 months. Heard a lot of preaching. But when I hear foundational messages like this... I, I don't think, oh, you know, I know this. I've been in church my whole life. Right. It always strengthens my faith yes. because it reestablishes what I know is true. Right. And it reminds me a lot of times of truths that maybe I don't think about every day. Right. And I'm reminded of, oh, yeah, yes. baptism is a good thing. Oh, yeah, right. healing is for today. Oh, yeah, God wants to deliver me. Oh, yeah, the Holy Spirit is my helper. Right. Yep. And so... The main purpose of this entire series is to talk about who the Holy Spirit is, what he does, and why he is so important to you. So this is going to be a very foundational message, but we're going to talk probably for the next six weeks, I'm planning to, about the Holy Spirit, which is very important for you to know. Now, when I talk about the Holy Spirit today, I've grown up in church my whole life, so I take it for granted that I know about the Holy Spirit. I realize everybody that's not the case. So things that we talk about flippantly at Church on the Rock, I'm sorry if I do, just because this is all I've ever known all 35 years and nine months. This is all I've ever understood was I've been raised in a Holy Spirit-filled church by Holy Spirit-filled parents. This is all I know. This is all I know how to talk about and think about 
But I realize that's not the case for everybody. And I'm not putting you down for that. I'm just saying that's why we need to talk about this so you understand why you believe what you believe. So we want to talk about the Holy Spirit. Now, before we go any further, we need to understand that so many people have been taught wrong or they've been taught nothing at all pertaining to the Holy Spirit. So because of that ignorance, a lot of people avoid the subject of the Holy Spirit in church. Or they're intimidated and scared about it when some preacher says we're a Holy Spirit-filled church. Because there's usually two extremes in the church world. Now let me talk to you about those for a second because we're not going to be in either one of these categories. There is the churches that all they talk about is the Holy Spirit. And a lot of times those churches in past years... Uh, not just because they talk about the Holy Spirit, that's not the issue, but they overly emphasize the Spirit and spiritual gifts, and they overemphasize spiritual experiences, and they get in a ditch over here, and a lot of those believers give other believers a bad name. Y'all got to be with me here today or not? Okay. Y'all know who those people are, right? Um, and they overemphasize that, and so... Those Holy Spirit-filled churches, a lot of people avoid those churches because it's weird. It's intimidating. It's scary. They don't know what's going to happen because there's a lot of weird stuff that happens in that church. And that's one side of it. And, and that's, they, they emphasize that so every service is a Holy Ghost blowout and every service is just wildness and chaos. And that's not what the Word says church should be. Everything should be done decently and in order, the Bible says. So we've seen a lot of Holy Spirit-filled people who say it's the Holy Spirit get into weirdness. Now let me tell you this very boldly today. If people are weird, it's not the Holy Spirit, it's them. Y'all with me? Like if people do weird stuff in church and say it's the Holy Ghost, it's not, it's them. If people do weird stuff in church that turns people off from God, it's not the Holy Spirit, it's them. If people got a weird twitch in their eye when they're talking to you about the Holy Spirit, it's not the Holy Spirit, it's them. Or maybe their allergies, I don't know. Could be one or the other. When people do weird stuff in church and claim it's the Holy Spirit, let me be very clear, it's not the Holy Spirit, it's the person is weird. Hear me. You're not saying amen. Maybe you're that person. I've cleared most of them out of our church before because they're like, can I do this in church? I'm like, no, you can't. Please don't. And they're just like, okay, I'll go to a different church. You're welcome. I mean, I've had people in the past few months ask me that. They're like, can I bring a tambourine to church? No, you can't. Can I prophesy why you're giving a message? No, you can't. I don't know who you are. And then we never saw them again. You're welcome. But see, there's a lot of weird people like that. And they would say for the rest of their life, no, that was the Holy Spirit, Pastor. Why didn't you let me do that? Why didn't you let me bring my tambourine? First of all, because you don't know how to play it. And you're white. So your rhythm is horrible. Let's call for what it is. Why can't I prophesy in this church? I don't know who you are. 
I barely even prophesy in this church, so why are you prophesying in this church? I'm not going to make something up unless the Holy Spirit really gave it to me. So we're not going to be in this ditch because when the Holy Spirit subject comes up, everybody gets nervous. And a lot of people with bad church experiences get nervous because they're scared, they're intimidated. It's like, this is weird. No, people are weird. The Holy Spirit's not weird. The Holy Spirit will make you holy, not weird. It's not called the weird spirit. It's called the Holy Spirit. Okay. All right. We got to make some progress here because I am at the very beginning of my notes. That's why I have six weeks to do this. Or here's another category. A lot of churches all around never talk about the Holy Spirit. Never. I'm not saying they're not saved because they are saved. They've received Jesus. They've asked him into their heart. They're saved. Churches all over this community, saved, going to heaven. They never talk about the Holy Spirit, ever. Ever. Why? Because they're scared. of. They're intimidated by it. They don't know the importance of the Holy Spirit. And because of that, they're lacking the power of God. They're everywhere. They believe in Jesus. They believe in salvation. But they don't talk about the Holy Spirit at their church. And guess what? There will be no power in that church. There won't. In Timothy, it says that they have a form of godliness, but deny the power. They're everywhere. And a lot of times they do it in churches like that because they want to look prim and proper. They don't want things to get too wild. And they talk about the Holy Spirit. What, what is the banker going to think if I talk about the Holy Spirit in church? What is the CEO going to think if I talk about the Holy Spirit in church? And, and people avoid the subject of the Holy Spirit. And that's why they don't have power in their church. No one's getting healed there. Why? Because they never talk about the Holy Spirit because he is the power of God. No one gets delivered in that church. Why not? Because they never talk about the Holy Spirit because he is the deliverer. No, no one there is using spiritual gifts. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is not talked about. He's not honored there. And so there's a lack of power in that church because they never talk about the Holy Spirit. So we're not going to be in either one of those categories where we overly emphasize it and get weird. But we're not going to be a church that doesn't talk about him because he is God. And when we get the Holy Spirit, the Bible says we get God's power. And the Holy Spirit is the power of God. He's the difference maker. He's the one that gives us as believers the power of God to live a new life. He's the one who gives us the ability, like the book of Acts, to pray for people and people get healed and people get delivered and and miracles happen and we believe things can happen like that. How does that happen? Because of the power of the Holy Spirit. But if you never talk about him, it will not happen in your personal life and it won't happen in a church. There's people that love God. I'm not saying they don't, but they never talk about the Holy Spirit and they have a lack of power in their life. And it shows. They're just nice Christians. Nice Christians are not changing the world. Now, mean Christians aren't either. But you just being nice and no power is not the point. 
you just being nice and smiling to people without the power of God to actually change things in people's life and in your own life is not the way that God designed us to live. He gave us the Holy Spirit. Now, we, as Church on the Rock, we should think about it like this. We need to be naturally supernatural. We need to be so taught about the Holy Spirit that it's not odd for us to be walking in the supernatural, but we're also not weird about it. We don't have to talk in a weird, spooky voice. We don't have to have a weird twitch in our eyes. We don't have to have a Holy Ghost outbreak at the lunch table at work to pray over somebody. No, we can pray in our normal English language and God still move. We can be naturally supernatural. But that only happens when we emphasize the power of the Holy Spirit. I want you to know today, for the life of a follower of Jesus, a believer, the most important relationship you have is with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God himself that Jesus sent to come not just be with us, but to live in us. And to be our helper. Jesus, when he was on the earth, was Emmanuel, which is God with us. But then he sent his spirit to live in us and through us. Let's look at John 14 again, if we could. John 14 and verse 16. And I will pray, Jesus speaking, to the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you. Notice talking to his disciples and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. You realize that The resurrection that we celebrated a few weeks ago on Easter was not the end of the story. Many churches stop there and they don't teach about what happened afterwards. The resurrection was not the end. It was just the beginning. The Bible says that after the resurrection, 50 days after was the day of Pentecost. And Jesus told his disciples to wait in an upper room for the Holy Spirit to be poured out. And he said, you can't do the mission of God until you receive the Holy Spirit. You can't heal anybody. You can't deliver anybody. You can't save anybody. You can't change anybody. You can't finish the mission of the church until you receive the Spirit. And we know in the book of Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, which was 50 days after the Passover and Easter, that the Holy Spirit was poured out upon his church. And 120 people in an upper room got filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they went outside and started to preach the gospel and the good news. And it says 3,000 people that day got saved. And if you read the whole book of Acts, what is the history of the book of Acts in the early church. It's the acts of the Holy Spirit and God using his people. 
And that same Holy Spirit is still changing the world and it's still the power of God. And, and the Holy Spirit is still using people and empowering people to do miracles. To see people set free in their mind and get deliverance from demonic spirits. The Holy Spirit is still healing people. He's still changing people. He's still saving people. And without the Holy Spirit as a believer, we are powerless. And the church is powerless. But we're not without him. We have the Holy Spirit. And he's come to be our helper. I done preached myself happy. Are you with me today? The Holy Spirit of God is the power of God for the believer. And we need him. Now, this is going to be a real foundational message because we want to talk about who is the Holy Spirit. The first thing we want to talk about is this. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God. We see that the Bible shows us this, that God reveals himself as Father, Son, and Spirit. One God, three persons. Now, when we talk about the Holy Spirit being God, a lot of us understand the Father, we understand the Son, but we need to understand the Holy Spirit. A lot of times that the Holy Spirit is the forgotten one of the Trinity. A lot of times the Holy Spirit is treated at the weird, as the weird uncle of the Trinity that you only see at the holiday picnics. And you try to avoid. But the Holy Spirit is not weird. He is God. Just like the Father is God. Just like the Son is God. The Spirit of God is God. And we need to treat him as God. The Holy Spirit is not lesser than the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit is equal with them in every way. And he is God. The Holy Spirit is God. Now we see in your Bible that he has the same divine attributes as God. As the Father and the Son does. He is eternal. He is omnipotent, which means he's all-powerful. He's omniscient, which means he's all-knowing. He's omnipresent, which means he's everywhere present. The Holy Spirit is God. You with me? Now let's read a few verses to show you that the Holy Spirit was in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. We see him in the very beginning, Genesis 1 and verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters and the Spirit of God. That's the Holy Spirit. Second verse was hovering over the surface of the waters. The Holy Spirit is God. He was in the beginning with the Father and the Son working in creation. And he's worked all throughout human history. Now let's look at Revelation 22 at the end of the Bible. At the end of time, Revelation 22 and verse 17. Notice what it says. The spirit and the bride. Who's the bride? The church. Say, come. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who thirsts come. Let anyone who desires to drink freely from the water of life. And this passage at the end of Revelation is saying that the Holy Spirit and the church has a job to do before Jesus can come back. And we need to finish the mission of God. Before Jesus will come back. 
And that's why it says the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and the bride, which is the church, are in a partnership together. We're working hand in hand together to see the mission of God completed. The Spirit and the bride. So we see the Holy Spirit in Genesis in the beginning. And we see Him at the end in Revelation because He is not just a feeling or a force. He is God. The Holy Spirit is God. Are you with me? He has all the divine attributes as God. Now let's look at this word, Holy Spirit. The word spirit in the Old Testament, which was written in Hebrew, is the word ruach. So quiet. (laughs) If you want to say it right, like Jewish people do, you got to act like you got phlegm in your throat. He's like, Ruach. (laughs) The Old Testament Hebrew word for spirit is Ruach. And that word Ruach is, the meaning behind it is the words breath and wind in the Old Testament. Ruach. And so when they said the spirit of God, they would say Ruach. And it means breath or wind. It's unseen. Come on now. But it's not unreal. It's an unseen force, and it it moves stuff, and it changes stuff, just like wind. We've seen wind. Wind is so powerful. It's not seen, but you see the effects of the wind. You see the power that's in the wind. We've seen, there's wind turbines right now that are, are, are creating power because of unseen wind blowing those turbines around. So wind is not, um, unreal but it's just unseen but they said the spirit of God is the same way he is unseen but he is not unreal you can feel him like you can feel the wind you can sense him and there is a power that comes with him to change stuff and that's why they use the word ruach but it also means breath or wind because in the same way we need breath in our lungs to live we need the spirit of God to give us life that's what the Holy Spirit should be to us Now, in the New Testament, it's written in Greek. It's the word pneuma. It's where we get the words for breath and air. But that's why the word pneumonia comes from that. Because it has to do with your breathing in your lungs and your air. Same definition, different word, different language. But it means the same thing. Ruach in Hebrew, pneuma in Greek. But they both mean breath or air. That's what the word spirit means when it says Holy Spirit. It's unseen, but it's not unreal. But we can feel the effects of it. We can feel the power of it. And we need it to live. Now, here's where we get into people feeling a little creeped out about the Holy Spirit. Now, when your Bible uh, was written, it was written in Hebrew and Greek. But about 400 years ago, there's a guy named King James, not LeBron James, because he's only King James we really know now. But he was a king, and he had the Bible translated in English. Now, in the old English, when they used the word spirit, they didn't say spirit, they said ghost. So the King James Version Bible, when it says spirit, it always uses the word ghost, which is creepy. Right? Thus, some of the uh, people in society and in the church world started getting kind of a little scared or intimidated by that word because 
We know what ghost means. And you said that there's a Holy Ghost. And I need to receive the Holy Ghost. And it's an old English word for spirit. But the real word is spirit. But many people have used that. And that has added to the superstition, to the intimidation, to the, to the reason people act scared of the Holy Spirit because they've heard a Holy Ghost. You're like, I don't want a ghost. I don't like horror movies. I don't like haunted houses. I don't want a ghost living on the inside of me. I don't want a ghost to come upon me. And so a lot of people have been turned away just based off of a translator who spoke Old English and used the word Holy Ghost. Are you with me? I'm just trying to give you a little context on why some people uh, get turned away when we say Holy Spirit because they're thinking Holy Ghost. I don't know about no ghost. And for our minds as humans, it's a little easier to understand the word Father because we all have fathers and the word Son because we know sons. But when you say Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit, it's a little different. We don't know where to put that because it's unseen. Sounds a little mystical. Sounds a little weird. Sounds a little creepy. But it's not unreal and it's not creepy. It's the Spirit of God. Now, why am I saying all this? I'm saying this because I'm laying a foundation for where we're going in this series. When your coworkers ask you questions, you need to know why you believe what you believe so you can give them a good answer. When your classmates want to know about this and they're a little freaked out by Holy Ghost filled churches, you'll have an answer. You say, don't blame it on the Holy Ghost, blame it on King James for calling him a ghost. It's the Holy Spirit. Just means breath or wind, air. It's not that creepy. And there's symbolic language behind that. Now, I do think it's funny that churches that are more denominational use the word Holy Spirit and how more spirit-filled Pentecostal charismatic churches use the word Holy Ghost. I don't know why. Maybe we were raised on the King James and they were raised on the NIV. But I'm just saying, I got both in me, so if it comes out, it comes out. Because sometimes Holy Spirit just doesn't do it justice. I was raised Pentecostal and charismatic. Sometimes you just got to say, Holy Ghost. I mean, I mean, you, you don't want to have like a Holy Spirit service or Holy Ghost service. It's two different vibes. It's two different feelings. Just by saying the word, when you say Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost. I mean, it's different. I'm, I mean, just saying. I'm saying this is the way I was raised. Don't judge me based off of that. But, um. It's just funny to me. I've always observed that because I had a lot of denominational friends and they'd always be very proper like, Holy Spirit. And I'm like, I call it the Holy Ghost, man. Come on. It's the ghost. Like, you're definitely raised Pentecostal and charismatic. Yes, I am and proud of it. Spirit-filled. But the word ghost just means spirit. Breath, wind. But the Holy Spirit is God. Now, here's the next thing we want to share about. Not only is the Holy Spirit God, he is a person. He is a person. Now, the Holy Spirit is not a force or a feeling. He is a person. Not only is he God, he is a person. 
Now, here is the issue with this. If we treat the Holy Spirit as just a force or a feeling, we cannot relate to him as a person and have a relationship with him. Many Christians treat the Holy Spirit as a force or a feeling and not a real person, but the Holy Spirit is a person. And he, and he can be related to, and he can have a relationship with him. Now, a lot of times people treat the Holy Spirit as the force, like in Star Wars. Now, have you ever seen, like, there's church memes that, um, that put, like, Star Wars and church stuff together? And then there's, like, a guy praying for somebody, and it's, like, lightning shoots out of their hands. And the guy falls out like he's Emperor Palpatine or something like that. The Holy Spirit is not the force. He's not a feeling. He is a person. Now, this is when people get goofy because they just treat him as a feeling and a force. And he's a real person. And we need to relate to the Spirit of God because he is God, but he is a person that can be related to and you can have a relationship with him. Now, I'm going to take it a few steps further because I'm trying to lay the groundwork for where we're going. Are you with me? Yes. Now, Chad, can you turn on some air for me? Because it's getting hot up in this Holy Ghost church. <laughs> Sorry, I get hot when I'm preaching. There's a reason I don't wear a coat because I need, I need some air. The Holy Spirit is not a force or a feeling. He is a person. Now, here's what people will say. I'm going to give you several of these. You probably have heard these before in church. Somebody, they sing a song like Amzie just sang. Beautiful. People start crying. I'm the one you love. I was there too. And they'll start crying and later they go, I had the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Ghost is crying? No, the Holy Ghost, his presence probably came on you and you cried. But the Holy Ghost is not you, just you crying. He's a person and he is God. Let me give you a few more examples. Uh, people will come up in a prayer line and they'll fall out in the Holy Ghost. And, and when people do that, sometimes people get up and say, man, it was the Holy Spirit today. Well, the Holy Spirit is not you falling out, but sometimes his presence, because he is a person, comes on you and you do fall out. But he's not falling out. The Holy Ghost is not you taking a lap. Not believing that. If you're excited, hey, go for it. But he's not taking a lap. The Holy Ghost is not doing a jig. Because somebody like, they got the Holy Ghost. Well, that's not the Holy Ghost, a dance move. Very white dance move, by the way. That's not the way I dance. I'm just referring to white word of faith dancers. And they'll say, that's the Holy Ghost. No, the Holy Ghost is not a dance move. The Holy Ghost is not you crying. The Holy Ghost is not you falling out. The Holy Ghost is not you laughing. The Holy Ghost is not you speaking in tongues. Those are byproducts of the Holy Spirit's presence coming upon you and then you doing something from that presence. Are you with me? 
Now, why is this important, Pastor? Because if we always say he's crying, tongues, laughing, dancing, we won't relate to him as a person. And we'll just act like he's a feeling you feel and some goosebumps you had at church. Oh, that was the Holy Ghost. My goodness, my hair is standing up. It's the Holy Ghost up in here. Holy Ghost is not goosebumps. He's a person. But he, he can be felt. His presence can be felt, but he's a person. His presence can come in a room and you can cry and you can dance and you can laugh and you can shout. And I'm all for that. And all of you could use a lot more of that. And the Holy Ghost's presence can come on you and you can dance and you can shout and you can pray in tongues. And I'm all for that and I believe in that. But he is a person. Not just a feeling, a force, or a dance move. You with me? I believe in all those things, but that's not the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. That is a byproduct of his presence coming into the room. And sometimes the presence of God can be very tangible. You can feel him. You can sense him. But he's a person. You with me? The Holy Spirit in the Bible refers to himself in personal pronouns. He, himself, him. He's not an it. He is a person who refers to himself as a person. The Holy Spirit in your Bible. Here's some things that the Holy Spirit does that only persons can do not forces. The Bible says, and this is just a short list, the spirit works, he leads, he instructs, he guides, he prays, he convicts, he calls, he speaks, and he leads. And it or a force cannot do those things. It also said that the Holy Spirit has feelings. He could be insulted, he can be blasphemed, he can be resisted, he can be vexed, he can be quenched, and he can be grieved. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is God, but the Holy Spirit is a person, not a feeling. Now, I don't run the feelings off, but that's not just him. He's a person, and you can have a relationship with him. Let's read one verse here, Ephesians 4, in verse... 30. Notice what it says here. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own. He's a person. Guaranteeing you that you will be saved on the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit is a person with personal pronouns, with the ability to work and lead and guide and pray and call and speak. And he has feelings. And we need to honor the Spirit of God as a person that we can have a relationship with. And as believers, that should be our deepest and closest personal relationship should be the Holy Spirit. Hear me this morning. Your husband and wife should not be your closest relationship. Since I got a half grunt and a half clap, I'll say that again. Your husband and wife, though you love him, and that's wonderful, they should not be your 
closest, most intimate relationship. There should be one person that comes before them, and that's the Holy Spirit. And trust me, if the Holy Spirit is your number one relationship, you'll be a better husband and a better wife, and you will have a better relationship if both of you, the Holy Spirit, is number one in your life. Why? Because the Holy Spirit can tell you things that they can't tell you. And the Holy Spirit can change you when your husband and wife can't. And the Holy Spirit can work. That was a little too loud of a yes. <laughs> she had, yes. Hold on. And the Holy Spirit can say things to you that your husband or wife or your mom and dad or anybody else can't get to those places. But the Holy Spirit can speak to you and convict you and change you and guide you and lead you. That's why he needs to be number one in your life. And if he's the most intimate personal relationship you have, you will be a better husband. You'll be a better wife. You'll be a better mom. You'll be a better dad. You'll be a better employee. You'll be a better friend. You'll be a better son. You'll be a better daughter. You will be a better person if the Holy Spirit is number one in your life. Why? Because he is God and he is a person. You can have a relationship with him. And notice he's not far away from us because the Bible says he's not just around us or with us. The Bible says the Holy Spirit lives in us by our spirit, never leaving us, never forsaking us. Isn't that good? The last thing I want to talk about is the Holy Spirit is a gift. Yes, Lord. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is a gift. Now, we need to understand this, that he is God, he is a person, but he is a gift. We could say it like this, that the Father's gift to the world was his son, Jesus, but the son's gift to the church is his spirit. And we need the Holy Spirit. He is a gift. He's not weird. He's not to be avoided. He's not to be shunned. He's not to be scared or intimidated of. He is God and he is a gift. And the Bible says that you need him. Now let's read a few verses here. If we could, we're going to go back to the Old Testament real quick. Because the Holy Spirit was mentioned all throughout the Old Testament and a lot of times prophesying about the day when the Spirit of God would come and live in us. So this is one of these passages spoken in Ezekiel. If we could turn to Ezekiel 36. Listen to this prophecy spoken about the Spirit of God. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean and I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. And notice what happens after that takes place. And I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will take out the heart of stone and of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you'll keep my judgments and do them. This was spoken in the Old Testament and there's many other passages like this about one day the Spirit of God would come and live in us. 
Now, the Holy Spirit was active in the Old Testament. He was active during creation. He was active during the life of Israel. He was active anointing the prophets, the priests, and the kings of the Old Testament, but he only would come upon them for a short period of time. He was not in them forever. But something had to happen for the Holy Spirit to live on the inside of us. And this is what had to happen. And it was spoken in Ezekiel. It says that I will cleanse you and and sprinkle you and you will be clean. Now there's a reason for that because we, though we are sinful in our nature, Jesus had to come and die, go to the cross, and rise again. Why? To make us clean. So the Holy Spirit could live in a clean vessel. Because in the Old Testament, they were unclean. He could not live in a clean vessel. How many know a holy God cannot live in an unclean thing? But since Jesus and the work he did on the cross and through the resurrection, he cleansed us from the inside out. He made us clean. He made us new. He gave us a new spirit so that the Holy Spirit could live in us because he's made us a holy place for him to live. And that couldn't happen till after Jesus resurrected. So Ezekiel says, once you're clean, I will send my spirit and he will be in you and I'll give you a new heart and you will walk after me because you got a new spirit. Ezekiel was speaking about the Holy Spirit as a gift, which he is. Jesus himself told his disciples many, many times, I'm giving you a gift. I'm giving you a promise and it is the Holy Spirit. Let's look at another passage, Acts 1. Brother Daryl, you could come up and play for me. Acts 1, verse 4. And notice Jesus, before he went back to heaven, what he told his disciples, and shared meals with them, Jesus instructed them, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait here until you receive the gift. Everybody say the gift. Jesus called the Spirit of God the gift. I told you about the gift the Father has promised. For John baptized you in water, but in a few days from now, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Isn't that good? Jesus told his disciples, I'm sending you a gift, and he's the Holy Spirit. You don't need to be scared about it. You don't need to be intimidated about it. He's the same as me. And he's a gift. And he told his disciples, but you have to wait in Jerusalem until the Spirit of God is poured out because you can't do anything without the Holy Spirit. You can't do anything without the Spirit of God. You need him. If Jesus said we need the Spirit, you need the Spirit. If Jesus said he's a gift, He's a gift. We all need to honor him as God, as a person, and as a gift. Notice what happened on the first day of the church, Acts 2, 38 through 39. Peter said, after he had just received the Holy Spirit, notice what he says. Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift the gift of the Holy Spirit. For this promise is to you 
and to your children and to all who are far off as many as the Lord our God will call. He said, this gift is not just for you guys who are here right now, the 3,000 of you that just got saved. This gift is for everyone. All that will come in the future that our God will call. The Holy Spirit's a gift. We need to honor him as a gift. Let's look at another thing Jesus said about you needing the Holy Spirit. Luke 11, verse 11. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will you give him a stone? The answer is no. Or if he asks you for a fish, will you give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Verse 13. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? He's a gift. The thing about gifts, though, is they can't be earned, but they must be received. The Holy Spirit is not given to the spiritual people in church. Or the people that are just living perfectly and right. The Holy Spirit's not earned, but he is received. And we need to receive him as the gift he is. It was spoken in the Old Testament that the Spirit of God would come one day and not just be with us, but live in us and upon us. And we're living in that day. And we have been for 2,000 years. But what a day. Sometimes we look in the Old Testament, we look at all the heroes of the faith and act like I wish I could be in their time. No, you don't. They wish they were living in the time that we are. Where there was no separation between us and God. They wish they were living in the time that we are when the Spirit of God could live in us and dwell through us. They wish that they were living in the day that we live in today where the Holy Spirit is a gift that everyone can receive. It's not earned, it's just received. Jesus said, the Spirit of God's a gift. You must have him. And he's not going to give you anything that's going to harm you. I love that language because a lot of times we're talking about the Holy Spirit. That's what they're thinking. I, I don't, I don't want to I don't want to receive the Holy Spirit. What, what if I start acting weird? I'm scared. I'm intimidated. What did Jesus just say? If you ask him, he's a good father. He's not going to give you anything that's going to hurt you. He's not going to give you something that's going to scare you. He's not going to give you something that's going to mess up your life. He's going to give you a gift. It's going to help you. God only gives good gifts. He only gives good gifts. Now, this morning, because we have many, many more weeks to go about the Holy Spirit. Today, my assignment was laying the foundation for where we're going. And we're going to talk more about this in the the upcoming weeks. And we're going to have some time to pray over you. And we're going to talk more about even what the Bible talks about, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, which is a little different from you just receiving the Spirit of God to live in you at salvation. And we're going to talk more about that. But today, my emphasis is I just want you to receive the Holy Spirit in all his fullness as a gift. And to acknowledge him in your life as God, as a person, and as the gift that Jesus has given to you, that the Spirit of God 
will dwell in you to live and abide with you forever. I love this. Brother Hagen said this many years ago. He said, believers need to be more God inside minded. Most believers are acting like God's way off in heaven, way on the other side of the universe. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says he lives in us. But how does he live in us? The Holy Spirit lives in us. His Spirit lives in us. He's our ever-present help in time of need. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. We need to acknowledge him as that church family. I want to remind you this morning, you're not alone. The Spirit of God now dwells in you and through you. And we have help on the inside. We need to be God-inside-minded. Not that we're God, but God's Spirit lives in us now. And he lives in us. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is in us. The Spirit of God, not far off. He doesn't just come and leave when he wants to. He lives in us. And he's a gift to be received, to be honored, to be cherished. The Holy Spirit is the most important person in relationship in your life. So I believe we're going to grow in this series. I believe we're going to have a deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit, acknowledging Him as God, as a person, and as the gift He is. I want to take a moment, and we're just going to worship for a second, and I just want us to sing for a minute, and I want us to just talk to the Holy Spirit and just say, I receive you, Holy Spirit, into my life in a new way and in a fresh way. I'll receive you in all your fullness. I want a better relationship with you. So could we do that for a second? Let's stand up. Let me just get Amzie to come up and just sing with Daryl for a second here. We're going to worship. This is just between you and the Holy Spirit. I, I know his presence is already here, but let's acknowledge him for who he really is today. He is God. He is a person and he is a gift. But he must be received, not resisted. Holy Spirit, we love you today. We welcome you into this place. We receive you for who you are. We receive you, Holy Spirit, into our life afresh and new. We thank you that if we've received salvation, you live in us. We thank you for making us new, giving us power, giving us strength, being our helper, being our comforter, being our counselor being our encourager. We receive you, Holy Spirit, as God. We, we're asking right now that we would have a better relationship with you. You would help us to, throughout our days, to be reminded of that you're inside, to be God inside-minded, that we can talk to you any moment of the day, and you're right there with us because of the Holy Spirit of God. Help us to have that ever-present knowledge of God living on the inside of us by your spirit. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Your word says that you would not leave us alone or orphans, but you would come to us. And how did you come to us? You came to us by the Holy Spirit to live and abide in us forever. We're not alone. We're not without help because we have the spirit of God in us today. Thank you, Father. 
Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.